0: Well, today we are beginning a brand new series called Once Upon a Time. Now, being the creative geniuses that we are, uh, Trent stole, I mean, we stole the title from a popular TV series uh, that's out there. So I'm curious, by a raise of hands, how many of you know about this series or have seen this series before? Yeah, a lot of you have. Well, if you're not familiar with this television show, um, let me tell you the basic concept behind this TV series. So the basic concept is that we're all familiar with these uh, fairy tales. Uh, fairy tales such as Peter Pan or Cinderella or Snow White and many others. And so the show looks and says, hey, you know what? There's really a story behind the story. And so the show shows what's really happening behind the story. And we find out some pretty interesting things to these beloved fairy tales. Well, today we are beginning a series where we're going to be looking at the stories behind the Christmas story. Because many of us think that we know the Christmas story. But do we really know it? Do we really know the events that surround the first Christmas? Do we really know how the first Christmas impacts us personally? Is the Christmas story personal to you? And so we're going to be checking out this story uh, because we need to check out this story. And for some of us, that's a hard uh, thing to think about when we think about the Christmas story. And here's why it's hard for us to connect sometimes with the Christmas story. For some of us, when we think about the Christmas story... It just feels like it's pretty distant. Maybe we've heard it like a thousand different times. Uh, Maybe we grew up in a church where the Christmas play took place every single year and we were made to be part of that Christmas story. You know, we wanted to play the part of Joseph or we wanted to play the part of a wise man. But instead, every single year we were assigned the role of sheep number two, you know? (laughs) And the only line that sheep number two had was bah, bah, you know? Now, I'm not resentful, uh, but maybe a little bit. Uh, but, anyways, for a lot of us, you know, it's hard to c- connect to the Christmas story because it feels like we've heard it a thousand times or we've seen it a thousand different times. Or for some of us, when we look at the Christmas story, uh, we just find it kind of hard to believe, you know, at face value. We look at the things that happen in the Christmas story, and we just say, like, come on, there's no way that that happened. You know, God coming in the form of a baby or a virgin giving birth uh, to the Son of God, you know, couldn't God be, like, better or something? Couldn't he have done something that is a little crazier or something that would get our attention? And so we have thoughts like, you know, maybe God, instead of having the baby born in a stable, maybe he could have been born in a palace, or maybe instead of announcing it to the shepherds, maybe he could have announced it to a king who could have proclaimed what had happened. You know, like, really, God, that's all that you had? You know, and for some of us, we look at the story and we say, you know, it's just a good child's story. You know, it's not personal to us. It's just a good story. And then for some of us, the story is personal. But unfortunately, it's personal in a bad sense. For some of us, we've been a part of a church that maybe rejected us, or maybe we had a bad church experience, or for some of us, maybe we had a bad religious experience, and so for some of us, we had experiences where people rejected us, or where people told us that we weren't good enough, or that we couldn't follow all the rules. Maybe we didn't dress a certain way, or maybe we didn't behave a certain way, or maybe we didn't talk a certain way that was proper, and so we left feeling rejected. We left feeling like we couldn't measure up. We left feeling like God didn't want us and that we weren't good enough. And so for us, we would say, you know what? Yeah, it's personal, but God's not personal. That's the real story. And so it, this question begs us to answer this question What's the real story? What's the story behind the story? Is this story some once-upon-a-time type of story? Or is there something bigger in this story? And should this story mean something personal to you? And so today, we're going to investigate the story behind the story. Today, we're going to look at a group of people that we only know as as the shepherds. And these shepherds had the same questions that we have as well. And through their story, we're going to see how it became personal to them. And through their story, we're going to see how it can be personal to us. So let's check out their story.
1: I mean, generally speaking, if you're going to announce a newborn king, you have people for that. You have big, important people. You have a fancy announcement party, fancy hors d'oeuvres, fancy little forks for the hors d'oeuvres. I love fancy little forks. You have important people tell other important people that there's a newborn king. You don't tell a bunch of shepherds in the middle of the night. I wouldn't tell us. You see, we're not what you consider a reliable source of information. Joe here tells some pretty tall tales. But really, the bear was that big! Okay, they wouldn't even let us testify in court. I have to say, I don't really oppose this idea. It's got me out of jury duty once before. We're really not the people that get to share big news. But there we were sitting in our field, minding our own sheep-keeping business, and this angel appears. This wasn't your ordinary Bethlehemian. This dude was big and bright. Kind of scared us. Yep, had to throw that pair on out. He tells us not to be afraid, <laughs> that he has good news that will bring great joy to all people. He tells us, the shepherds in the field, that the Messiah, the Savior, has been born in Bethlehem, and that we would find him swaddled and lying in a manger. Then this angel invites us to go see the newborn king. So we go to Bethlehem and we find this tiny little baby wrapped in strips of clothing. The Messiah, our Savior, is lying in a feeding trough. On any other day, our sheep would eat from this trough. But today, it holds the divine. And despite the fact that we're a bunch of shepherds, we need to go tell people what we have seen. Because on any other day, we are just a bunch of shepherds.
0: But today, today, we're messengers of the good news. Now, if you would, go ahead and let's check out the story for ourselves. So if you have your Bible, please turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, or if you have a smartphone device, you can use that as well. And we're actually going to start a little bit before we get to the shepherd's story so that we can kind of understand the entire picture of what's going on. If you don't have a Bible, always feel free to get a Bible from the back. Or if your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, uh, please go ahead and get them. It might uh, turn out to get a date if you're nice to them. But uh, anyways... <clears throat> Sorry about that. Nobody's going to ever get a Bible again. But uh, uh, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 1. All right, so before we begin, let me tell you a little bit about the author, okay? So his name is Luke, and he was a medical doctor just after the life of Christ. And uh, this guy is super detailed, and he is a man of science. And so Luke sets out to write this account of Jesus' life And he starts out with kind of stating up front that he has done this massive research, that he has analyzed everything out there, and that he wants to present us with the truth. And so Paul, or Luke, is the best friend or one of the traveling companions of Paul, who was one of the apostles. And Paul sets out to start all of these new churches after Jesus' death and resurrection. And so he's got Luke with him. And so Luke has access to interview the disciples themselves. He has access to interview Mary, the mother of Jesus. He has access to uh, interview the brothers of Jesus and also many of the eyewitnesses of Jesus's life. And so Luke sets out to tell us the story, to tell us the events that take place. And many of the events that Luke mentions Uh, many of the historical documents of the time actually support what he is writing about. And in fact, Luke is so accurate that he's more accurate than some of the documents of that time with what happened with some of the historical events of the day. Because Luke is so consumed with wanting to share what has personally affected his life, and he wants us to understand what really happened. So let's begin in verse 1. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Cornelius was governor of Syria. All returned to their ancestral towns to register for the census. So notice right away that Luke, the historian, is very careful to point out the historical context of when Jesus is born. Now, this is a different angle for documents back then. Documents back then that dealt with the religions... Uh typically did not place their God or their deity within historical context. And so Luke right here is telling us what is going on right in that moment, just before Jesus is born. And so he tells us that Caesar Augustus, which many documents confirm, tells everyone that they've got to go to their hometown and forces them to go to their hometown to take the census. And so this is important because 700 years prior to this, a prophet of God named Micah predicted that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. So if Jesus wasn't born in Bethlehem, he would not be writing about this. Let's continue, verse 4. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiance, who was now obviously pregnant. So imagine this conversation between Mary and Joseph. It could con like this. Hey Mary, you know. Uh, Rome has required us to go back to my hometown. Now, I know you're like about to give birth, but let me just tell you a little bit about the trip. It's not that bad, okay? So it's only about 100 miles to where we need to go, and we're going to start out about 1,200 feet above sea level, and then we're going to go on down to about 800 below uh, sea level, and then right before then, we're going to climb up to 3,200 feet above uh, sea level to Jerusalem, and then it's only five miles after that, okay? And the good news is I've got a donkey for you, you know? And so could you imagine that? Could you imagine Joseph going to Mary and telling her what they were about to do? None of us would have done that. But that's the historical context because if you didn't listen to Rome, it was your life. Now, many historians back then will say that this was a time of peace or great peace for Rome. They weren't fighting other nations or anything like that, but yet there was a lot of internal strife. There was a lot of poverty. There was a lot of social injustices. Rome put tons of pressure on the people. They heavily taxed the people. They... They controlled the people by politicians, and politicians would pit groups of people within the empire against one another to control them. As long as it didn't mess up the empire, uh, that was okay. So there really wasn't peace at that time. Rome wasn't really looking out for you personally at this point. Rome was out for Rome. But yet, God is up to something. God is working behind the scenes, and he's working for everyone not just for himself. And he makes sure that Mary and Joseph gets to Bethlehem safely. And he makes sure that this moment happens in history that has never been forgotten. So let's see what happened. Verse 6. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son "'She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth "'and laid him in a manger "'because there was no lodging available for them.'" Now, when I read that, I ask myself, "'Okay, God, why in the world "'would you have your son born in a stable with animals?' Like, if I had written this story, you know, I would have had him born, like, in a palace or maybe in the home of some prestigious religious leader. And so that this prestigious religious leader that everyone knew and respected and knew spoke on the behalf of God could, like, tell the people, yes, you know, God himself has been born, our long awaited Messiah, and then everyone would believe. But instead, he's born in a stable. Now, why is that, you know? Why is the Son of God born in a stable? Now in this next section, we're going to find out why. We're going to see exactly what's going to happen. And this is a famous passage. Many of the words that we're going to read, you're very familiar with. And in this moment, buried beneath these lines, we're going to see just how personal God is. And if we allow this information to travel from here and into our hearts, then our lives Just might be transformed as we're about to see in the lives of these shepherds. So let's continue and see how their lives were transformed. In verse 8, the night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby and guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. Now, if we were minding our own business and an angel appeared, like we would have been terrified. And let me tell you why exactly these shepherds were terrified. You see, back then in that culture, shepherds were uh, considered one of the most disrespected groups within the Jewish culture. And so um, if you had to have this business in your family and you were a father, you would actually give the role of a shepherd to your youngest son. You wouldn't give it to like the older sons, no way. You know, that would disrespect them. That would make them, uh, you know, not very good in the community. You gave it to the youngest son. And the religious leaders of the day would also consider shepherds and reject them because they weren't any good in their minds. And here's why they weren't good. For the shepherds, They were nomads. They had to go around from town to town or place to place, feeding the sheep and everything. So often they would miss the Sabbath, which was very important. They had to work on the Sabbath. And that was a big no-no in that culture. And they would miss out on many of the ceremonies that were considered to make you right with God. And so if you were a shepherd, you looked at yourself and you thought that you weren't good enough. And you had the religious leaders telling you that you weren't good. And so you didn't know you're standing with God. You didn't know if you had a right standing with him. And you lived in fear because you weren't exactly sure if you had peace with God. And so that's why these guys are like terrified. That's why when this angel shows up, it's like they're toast. Like we're gone. Like it's over, Rover. You know, I mean, they are terrified to death because they didn't know their personal standing with God. Now, isn't that the same for us? You know, don't we have experiences where people tell us that we're not good enough? Don't we even look within ourselves and we say that we're not good enough for God? And don't we sometimes feel like we don't have a right standing with God or that he doesn't want to have anything to do with us because of the wrong that we've done? Wrong against others and wrong against God. And so that's exactly what the shepherds were feeling. And so let's see what happens to them. And so the angel shows up, and they think it's over, but watch what happens in verse 10. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. Now, this is amazing. He's addressing their immediate need. They're scared, and he says, hey, don't be scared. And the angel continues, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Now, let's pause there, okay? Here the angel says that he brings good news from God to all people. Now, if I'm one of those shepherds in that moment, I'm kind of looking down because I'm scared to death, but I might look up and I might start looking around and then I might nudge my buddy and say, hey, unless he's talking to the sheep, we're the only ones out here, you know? He's talking to us in this moment, you know? And so we get this. You know, we think that God prefers to hang out with only good people. We think that God only prefers uh, people who pray the right way or attend church every time the doors open or know their Bible so well that they can quote you anything or they say the right things or they behave the right way. You know, so many of us think that we can only have peace with God, a right standing with God if we perform certain things or demonstrate certain things to God and that makes us right with God. But God knows exactly what the shepherds were struggling with. He knows they're struggling with this performance trap, thinking that we have to do the right things in order to have a right standing with God. But that's not the case. And so God comes to give them this great news, to say that He is going to give them peace with Him. That's the great news. And let's see how the shepherds kind of at this point are probably leaning into the, you know, to hear from this angel exactly what this good news is. So verse 11, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Now this spoke volumes to them, okay? They knew they needed a Savior. They knew they needed a deliverer from their sins. They knew that they were part of a system that rejected them and said that they did not have a right standing with God. And so in this moment, here is God who comes to give them this message, to give them some of the best news that they have ever heard. They knew they needed a Savior. They knew that they needed someone to come and forgive them of the wrongs that they had committed. And we know that too. We know that we need a Savior We know the wrongs that we've committed. We don't have to have somebody tell us about the wrongs that we have committed, you know? We need someone to come along and tell us some good news. And that's how God personally interacted with them. And that's how he personally interacts with us. So let's see how the shepherds respond and how they could find this savior. Verse 12, And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And I bet when the shepherds heard this, it melted their hearts. I bet when they heard this, they just could not believe this, but yet they knew it was true. They knew what God had said was true. Because when you look at this, now don't miss this, this was personal to them. In this moment, they were told where they could find their Savior, their Deliverer, their King. He wasn't in a palace, he was in a place that they could go. He was in a place that they would not be rejected. He was in a place that they could be accepted. He was in a stable. And shepherds could go to a stable. And so this should speak volumes to us. This spoke volumes to them. Because no matter who you are, God invites you to come. Because it's for all people, not just some. And He showed the shepherds that they were considered to be in that category of all people and not just some. So let's continue. And if this didn't get their attention enough, watch this. Verse 13, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. Can you imagine? Here you are these shepherds. You're the only shepherds out. There might be like 10 of you out there. And all of a sudden you receive this amazing news from one angel and all of a sudden the armies of heaven are there and they're not there to destroy you. They are saying with one one voice that the son of God has been come to been born to save them and to save all. That's amazing. That is beyond personal. It's something that only God can do. And so watch this and how they respond after this. Um, for this, you know, this meant so much to them because when they saw this, I think it just echoes exactly what Paul wants us to understand from the New Testament. He he wants us to understand that there is peace with God and that God gives us peace. And if there's a person who could follow all the rules, it was Paul, but even he knew he couldn't follow the rules. And so this is associated with the good news. Listen to what he said in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And so when we accept Jesus as our savior, we are given by God peace with him. We are given a right standing with him. And so this right standing is given because Jesus came and became our sin. And he put himself in the place of our sin and he paid for it himself by dying a death for us. That's how God, that's how much he's personal. And that's what he wants us to know. He doesn't discriminate. He invites all and gives all to those who receive his son. Now watch what the shepherds do from this. Verse 15, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, I love this, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was a baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Man, I love their response. They were pumped. They could not wait to see what God had done for them. I love that phrase. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Told directly to them, told directly to the shepherds, told to them who were considered outcasts from everyone and even themselves, told directly to them by God because he was personal. He was personal to them. And because God is personal to them, I love what they did They left the flock, okay? Usually sheep leave the flock. They left the flock, you know? And they ran into Bethlehem and they tore apart the city looking and they would not stop until they found their savior, their deliverer, their God, because God was personal to them. The God of the universe was their God. The God of the universe had come to them and given them great news. And they believed him. And they went and found their savior. And they ended up telling everyone about the savior. Now, that's exactly what God is doing in our stories. You know, he is working behind the scenes to personally show us who he is. And just like these shepherds, you know, they were given peace from God because he loved them. And God offers us the same thing that he offered to these shepherds. Because no matter who you are, God invites you to come and find the Savior, your Savior, if you will let him be that. And so today, I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you have ever received that good news. I don't know if you're like the shepherds who at first didn't really understand their right standing with God. But today, Will you be like these shepherds? Will you receive the good news? The news that could be the greatest thing that you've ever had in your life. Now, in a moment, we're gonna close the service and I'm gonna pray. And during that prayer, you'll have an opportunity to pray to receive this greatest gift. Now, for some of you, maybe today, you have been reminded of just how personal God is and how good things happened During these actual events. And just like the shepherds, once they found the Savior, they went out and they told everyone. And so, is there somebody that you know needs to hear this great news? Is there a son? Is there a daughter? Is there a mother, a father, a friend, a co worker, a neighbor that needs to hear this great news? And so, would you invite them? Would you take one of those cards and invite them in the next two weeks to come and hear? This great news. And then um, we're all invited. And starting in January, we're going to have our mission trips to Guatemala. And we are going to have teams going down there to share the love and peace of God with people in Guatemala. And it's our goal here at Epic for everyone to at least go on one mission trip, at least one mission trip. So, would you consider praying about going on this trip? and sharing the greatest news that we have with other people. And so would you consider going on one of those trips? So I'm going to pray. And after I pray, we're going to sing a song. And I just want us to celebrate, celebrate what God has done for us personally. So join me as we pray. Father, uh, we just come to you and we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that you have given us this amazing gift. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. And thank you for the reminder that you are personal. And if you're out there right now and you have never received Jesus as your savior, here's how you can ask him to be your savior. And so just pray this in your mind. And ask him to do this. Say, Dear Jesus, would you be my Savior? I've done wrong, and you know it, but thank you for dying on the cross to forgive my sins. Thank you for being my Savior. I am yours. And Father, we just thank you so much that you continue to personally reveal yourself to us. Almost 2,000 years ago, you said that this would happen. You worked within history to make this happen. And it is a story that actually happened. It's an event. And God, it speaks volumes throughout eternity. No one has ever forgotten it. And so thank you for the reminder today of who you are and how faithful you are. So God, as we enter this Christmas season, I just pray that we would continue to invite others to hear your great news. And so we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay,
1: you may be seated. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Epic Church. My name is Chris Seppi. I just have a couple things to highlight on your announcement sheet. So if you want to go ahead and grab that, you can follow along with me. First of all, if you're new here, welcome to Epic. We're glad that you're joining us. I want to encourage you on the way out, if you have a moment, to pop on by our Connection Center. We'd love to get to meet you personally. Also be available to answer any questions you may have about our church. Well, thank you to so many of you that have been extremely generous in supporting our church and what we do here in our community. I just want to lay out exactly how the end of the year charitable contributions are going to work. First of all, as you can see on your announcement sheet, contributions need to be postmarked and sent to Epic Church by December 31st. If uh, you give online, we need that done by December 29th. This way it gives us an opportunity to process everything before the end of the year. Remember that you can continue to give through our services in December, either by utilizing our giving boxes, which are set on the tables at the back of the seating sections, or by visiting our website, theepicchurch.com. Well, today is the last day that we're collecting presents for our giving tree. Remember, there's a table set up over there next to the Connection Center that we are set up to put the gifts in. Just remember that the little card that you have needs to be attached to that gift, now, if you forgot your gift, we are going to be here till about one o'clock, breaking down, setting things back up for the school. So if you have a chance, you can go home, grab your gift, and just pop it in over there. Well, uh, now just sit back. We're going to have a video. Enjoy part one of our series called Once Upon a Time.